Gumption. Defined as initiative, aggressiveness, resourcefulness, courage, spunk, guts, common sense, and shrewdness. Welcome to the podcast. This is Stories of Gumption with your host, Ryan Lee. All right, all right. The first ever Stories of Gumption podcast. I'm super, super pumped about this. Uh, excited about this project and uh, hopefully it adds some value to your life. Uh, today, I have Jason Condy, an incredibly impressive dude and a great friend of mine. Uh, we could talk all day about examples of this guy's gumption. I mean, starting businesses, uh, doing all these sorts of different projects. This guy's impressive. Uh, today, however, I want to focus on how Jay conquered his fear of public speaking and, in my opinion, became incredibly good at building connections with people. Uh, it's a life skill that applies to all industries. Hopefully you take something from it and uh, maybe even can apply it some of the lessons and stuff we talk about to your own fears. So, without further ado, I'd like to welcome to the first ever Stories of Gumption podcast, my good friend, Jay Condi. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm really pumped about this, and uh, I know there's a lot of podcasts out there, but I'm just having some fun with this. And I'm not happy too... to be here, man. Yeah, yeah. And cheers. Uh, cheers. Um, go... Let's do so, this, man. Yeah, so... You know, like I said in the intro, you know, I think you're really good at connecting with people. Power to the people. I, I think this is a skill that will definitely benefit you in business and life. And it wasn't always that way, though. You didn't naturally uh, find it easy to public speak or connect with people. Tell me about that. Yeah, man. Uh, I think it's a it's a common struggle um, that that a lot of us share. I think public speaking is right up there as one of the top three yeah. most feared things in the... Yeah, the data I've seen is public speaking is like ranked number one, or at least... Is that for the, the U.S. or the world? U.S. Okay. is what I saw, but I mean, that's that's serious. So yeah, man. what yeah. we're about yeah. to talk about, it, it may sound cheesy, but I mean, for me, I get anxiety talking in front of people or networking yeah. or Listen, whatever. It's, it's all under the umbrella of anxiety, and for me... It started, um, I don't know if it was innate. I don't know, you know, if it was a certain experience, but one that always comes to mind uh, was, and I know it's going to sound crazy, but way back in preschool, I was about four and, and this was traumatic for me. Um, <laughs> we were, we were, we, we were having our annual Christmas concert and um, we all had to wear little cute little uh, reindeer antlers. Of course. And I was up on stage performing, stealing the show, but uh, my reindeer antlers fell down over my eyes in front of everybody, and all the parents were laughing, and I ran off stage crying. I was mortified. Oh, my God. And, I, you know, I don't know <laughs> if that had anything to do with it, but that I do remember As a four-year-old, your whole life is just scarred yeah man there's there's a lot going on in our in our little minds at that time but uh but yeah you know my fear of of public speaking and you know social anxiety that 
that continued all throughout grade school, middle school, high school. And basically, you know, I think for all of us, it's, it's just really hard to speak in front of people because, you know, you, you're very vulnerable. And it was also, I think, somewhat um, a fear of being wrong, um, getting called on in class or giving a presentation and just stumbling on my words or drawing a blank. But, you know, it, 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 was, uh, it, it was really hard, man. You know, every day I was just terrified, you know, to, to have to speak in front of the class. As most people are. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's, it's very common. But um, in college, obviously, you know, we were roommates. Um, and I think when I met you, uh, it, that, that did a lot for my confidence. Just you always encur- encouraging me, mm-hmm. uh, being there for me as a friend. I think. I think the people you choose to surround yourself with. Uh, it's oh, it's, that's everything, you man. Know, everything yeah. they diffusion you know, of energy or osmosis, you know. It's, yeah, because you know the people that you surround yourself with enable you to become the best version of yourself. And amen. They'll, they'll both, you know, push you and support you, and you did just that. So college, I was able to, um, you know, gain a little confidence in myself. Uh, it was still really hard. Like, it was really hard to give presentations. I had to overcompensate and really, really prepare. And, you know, so um, I remember that. I remember. Yeah. I remember the seeing the anxiety just grow in you before the day before a presentation because it was genuinely something you hated to do yeah man it's debilitating um and uh but anyways you know i I wanted to become i wanted to work with kids so i went to school to be a teacher in grad school um i had to do a lot of field work in in schools around the albany area and i did a lot of work at charter schools um and i stumbled upon this unique opportunity uh, where I, I was actually working with my aunt at the time. She is okay. I think she's the one of the best teachers in the world. Um, and she, uh, the first grade team of teachers, they needed, they were looking for a volunteer to dress up as an astronaut and help introduce this unit on the solar system to these first graders. So, you know, I, I thought, it, you know, it sounded awesome. Yeah. And I, uh, I was like, sign me up, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Let's do it. Um, so the day that I, the, the day of the presentation, you know, I'm, I'm all amped up. Yep. So I text my aunt and I'm like, you know, where, where am I meeting you? Yeah. Which, cl- which classroom? Yeah. She says the, you know, the auditorium. And I'm like, what do you mean? I, I'm, I thought I was doing this for one class. She's like, nope, we decided the whole first grade is actually gonna, gonna be there. So my heart dropped. I was like, you know, it's, it's on. This yeah. is real. Yeah. This is happening. Yeah. She's like, yeah. And the third grade might join too. So, you know, it, it was, it was game time, man. And, you know, that was I, probably the biggest group of people you'd ever had to speak in front of. Yeah. Yeah. It ended up being close to a hundred, a hundred kids. Um, 
you know, and that and you didn't, you weren't able to prepare for, which prior to that, yeah, you man, always I, like prepared to the, yeah. I mean, I had a PowerPoint and everything, but you know, I, you know, I remember I, you know, I had to get changed in the bathroom, you know, putting on this astronaut suit. And I just thought about these, these wide eyed kids who were, you know, basically looking at me like I was some super superhero and, you know, I, I had to step up. And I didn't really think about my fear because I had to do it for them. They were expecting me to, to um, come in as this fearless astronaut. To them, you were, you were a real astronaut and they had expectations. Yeah, man. I, basically, I, yeah. I, I had to lie to the kids. But that's not the point. <laughs> that's not the point of the story. Um, you know, I, I had to um, hop into a cold shower, man. And yeah. uh, it was uncomfortable. But... Again, I wasn't thinking about myself. I had to do it for for these wide-eyed kids and step up to the plate. And I did just that, man. I killed it. I killed it. And I went on to do it for um, four years in a row. Like, I I was known as Astronaut Jason at this charter school. And um, I eventually, I would come into this, uh, I would come into uh, I Believe I Can Fly. And, like, (laughs) I would give kids, like, high fives and stuff. And it was, like, it was awesome. It was so much fun. Um, but that moment, you know, the first time I did it, uh, was, was, that was a big step for me, man. That gave me a lot of confidence, um, in myself in overcoming that social anxiety. I mean, even though they, you know, it sounds, it sounds, um, it sounds kind of crazy, you know, speaking in front of a hundred first graders, you know, these kids are six years old, but still, man, they're people just like us. With expectations. And, exactly. And, and if for someone with a with a phobia of speaking in front of people, yeah. You're it doesn't matter how old they are, you're wondering what they think about it. Ex- and exactly. and I think I think most people, and at least for me, when I when I would do public speaking for various jobs or you know, non profits I've been involved with, it you know, that never goes away. No. But no, I think it never goes I away. It's, you learn to cope and I, I think it's a measure of you caring. You know, if you didn't care about the result and you didn't want it to be great, then the anxiety probably wouldn't really be there. Yeah, and and it's also a measure of of growth, I think, mm-hmm. and you know, expanding your comfort zone. Um because, you know, after that astronaut um experience, I as you know, I went yep. on to give a speech at your wedding as your best man. That was quite a more, a lot more people than a hundred first graders. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, was closer to what? One, one sixty or something crazy. Something like that. And then I, I gave a uh, speech at my buddy Evan's wedding. I was the best man there. That one was bigger from what you told me. Yeah. yeah. It was like 200 people. And you know, I, I killed it both times. Like I just, I, you know, to be honest, man, I, I pictured myself as that fearless astronaut. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you step up to the plate yeah. and you, you almost, in a way, you almost look forward to, you know, confronting the, your fear. The opportunity to just... Yeah, man. Just, yeah. Crush it. Yeah. And be vulnerable. It's like... So what was the, what was the switch in your head? Like what, what, like obviously the, the astronaut experience was a, was a switch, but like, you know, in terms of somebody who might be listening or, you know, just us talking, like, 
if you have a phobia, we'll continue with the social yeah. phobia. Yeah, yeah. You know, what for you was the was the moment that like mm. clicked? Or you, how did you start framing the thought in your head of I've got to speak in front of these people? And, well, like, what? Tell me about that. To, to and, be like, honest, man, self expression. I, I think. Um, I think it all has to do with with growth. Um, I, I I never wanted to plateau. You know, if 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 I hadn't confronted my fear of public speaking, I would have just stayed the same, man. Um, yeah. And I I I also went on to um, perform at uh, open mic poetry night in Troy, and uh, you know because I've always been into writing. Yeah. And yeah, man, after the speeches at the weddings, like I, I, you know, walked into this place in Troy. Awesome place, man. Shout out to the Troy kitchen and, um, new era of, of confidence. Yeah, man. Yeah. You get up there and you know, there are like 30 to 50 people, um, every Monday night. Um, D Collins is the host and she does an amazing job. She's just a, an inspiring person. Um, but yeah, I, so I get up there like once a month, once every couple months and perform. And like, I don't think twice about it, man, because for me, I was, I'm, I'm still coming into my own and it's, it's about poetry to me is about, um, self-expression. And I think that's important for all of us to kind of, um, you know, discover who we are, self-discovery and, Because if you never discover who you are, then you never know what you want. Right. And I think that's kind of a problem that we have in society today. Yeah. With the societal expectation of, you know, um, you know, going to school, getting a degree, um, settling down, getting married and having kids. I think, um, there's, there's this expectation of, uh, I don't want to say conformity, but like, well, uh, kind of an it, expectation of what success is without taking into account the individuals. Yeah, man. L- listen, in, in school, individu- needs, wants, or desires, right? It's like individuality is lost in school. If you think about it, like, how many people really spend time with themselves? Mm. Uh, like, I think a lot of people are just uncomfortable with the idea of going to a diner and having breakfast by yourself. Um, you, you have without this, looking at your phone or, you know, yeah, man, I don't want to sound like that guy, you know, that's like, yeah, that's like complaining about the, everybody's complaining about social media, yeah, and but, all, but yeah, nobody's but, willing to, to change, but I, I know that's man. not what I want to make it about. Like, yeah, I it, know where you're going with this though. It's yeah. like that this idea of just self reflection and being in your own mind, mindfulness, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, uh, you know, back to the whole school thing, um, we're not really given an opportunity to discover who we are in school. And that's a big reason why I discontinued. I emphasize that word. I didn't drop out. Yeah. I discontinued with my graduate uh, degree because I just, uh, I didn't want, I didn't want to be a hypocrite and because school really didn't resonate with me. Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in education. 
you have to educate yourself. Um, and that comes from within. Yeah. You know, uh, but school sitting down in a desk for seven hours every day, uh, that's hard. It's very that's hard. That's really hard. And who would I be to stand up in front of a classroom and teach these um, young people subjects that I feel aren't necessarily always applicable in the real world? Mm. They're not really teaching us life skills. They're not preparing us for what's to come. Um, so I discontinued with my graduate degree because I, I didn't necessarily believe in the curriculum. Uh, but I did stumble upon another unique opportunity. You know, this whole time, man, I feel like I've just been following my path yeah. and trusting that the dots will connect. Um, so, uh, yeah, I ended up uh, coaching at oh, wow. a little league in Albany in yes. the South End. Yep. Ameri we talked about that. American Little League. It's It changed my life, man. Um, yeah, so I guess the story as to uh, how that um, came came about is, is kind of cool. Uh, so my dad is a painting contractor. Yep. He owns his own business. And he met this guy, Joe Varno, okay. who's also another painting contractor yep. at, at the paint store one day. And they were, you know, they were uh, shooting the shit. And basically my name came up. My dad said, you know, his son just graduated college, played baseball and was going to school to be a teacher. And Joe Varno yep. said, well, you know what? I coach at this little league in Albany um, I, and I need some help. Would he, yeah. be in, would he be interested? And yeah, man, I, I, my dad gave me Joe's number. I called him up. I was super interested. And Joe and I talked for like an hour. We hit it off right off the bat, man. He's just a, a real cool guy. And he does a lot of work in the community. Um, but the thing that I, I really wasn't prepared for was um, the fact that this Little League resides in inner city Albany. Like, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's a rough neighborhood, man. It's yeah, much different from where I grew up in this small town of Voorheesville, New York. I mean, different, man, different realities for the kids growing up. Oh, for sure, man. Just, at, you know, at a total disadvantage. Um, but I always wanted to, like, like I said before earlier, um, expand my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. I wanted to pop the bubble that I grew up in. Yeah. I think that's another problem that we face as a society. Like all of us grow in grow up in this, these, these small bubbles yeah, and very few leave like, or, you know, especially if off. you're incredibly disadvantaged, it, your, your, your opportunity. And again, I, I, you know, more than I do, but from my understanding, your opportunity to leave that bubble, the more disadvantaged you are is way more difficult. Yeah, man. Like it, you're, it's you know, just, you you are the system in which they're growing up in we're all growing up in is setting up opportunity and expectation differently. Yeah. Yeah. I think honestly it has to do with a lack of exposure to people that are different from yourself. Um, 
I think that a lot of people feel more comfortable around people that look like like them, you know. Yep. Like like yourself and um, talk like you and yep and and all that stuff. Very few people um, venture out and put themselves in in a different environment where you're the minority now. Yeah. So at that little league, man, it was predominantly black. Yep. Um, and you know, a, a low socioeconomic status. Like these kids had it tough. These were 10 year olds going on 18. Um, and yeah, man, I, it was a life changing experience. These kids have all the potential in the world. These are, these are bright young, young people. And, uh, you know, I think I was super naive at the time, which yeah. actually helps, I think, in a, in a lot of ways. I think anything that you do in life, man, like, it helps to be naive. Yeah. Because you really, you don't think about the worst case scenario. Yeah. You're in there happy-go-lucky, um, roll up your sleeves, like, let's do this thing. And you don't really think about um, what could go wrong. Yeah. Uh, but tell me, tell me a story of like, I mean, a, a challenge that you faced okay. during that experience every and, day and, and maybe um, like, like how that helped you become more self-aware of yourself Yep, and also, uh, helped you become even better. Like, I think you're great at connecting with people. Like, tell yeah, me a it, challenge listen, that you experienced. It, like, uh, well, the re... Uh, I have a, a lot of stories that, that I could tell and I'll, I'll tell one in a minute here, but yeah. I do want to emphasize that like, man, like we all breathe the same air. Like if you go in there, if you go anywhere um, where people are different from you, like, and you, you're scared and you're uncomfortable, like it's going to show man, like just go in there, happy, go lucky. And um, just be grateful for the opportunity to meet different people. Yep. Um, and, and there's always a commonality, like just in it, you know, the art of conversation and connecting with people is just finding that commonality. You don't know what you have in common with somebody if you don't ask. That's so, brilliant. you know, um, it sounds simple, but that's brilliant. I, yeah, man. I, so I was able to really connect with people at the park and, uh, but anyways, so, uh, one of the challenges was, Okay, so I'm about to get real here, man. Uh, That's fine. You know, this... The, the south end of Albany is so much different, man. It's a, it's, 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 it's a different culture. Um, the people are awesome, but they're just different from the way you and I grew up. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, we were playing... So I, I lived a pretty... I, I will say this. I lived a... And, and I didn't know it at the time, but I lived a pretty cushy childhood. Yes. You and I were incredibly very, cushy. You and I were you know, very privileged. Could, could my parents buy anything and everything that they want? No, they weren't, they weren't rich, but like, but you were sheltered. My, my, I was sheltered. Yes. Sheltered and, and growing up in Plattsburgh, you know, it's a different bubble, man. Yeah, man. So, so 
you know, uh, here I, I am. I took you off your story. Sorry, but it's go all ahead. good, man. Yeah. It's all good. We're having a conversation. South, south, and you know, I was 22, 23 at the time, and uh, learning on the fly. Um, so we we were a small little league. Um, so we didn't really have enough teams, enough kids in our little league to to just play each other. We had three teams in the major division, which is ten through 12 years okay. old. Okay. Okay. So we, we had games scheduled like out of league, you know, like we were playing, we were scheduled to play Burnox Westerlo, which if any, whoever's familiar with the Albany County area, burn is extremely rural. Okay. And predominantly white. Yep. The South end of Albany is extremely urban, predominantly mm-hmm. black. So, you know, here I am, um, as you know, a white man coaching these young, um, these young yeah. black youth. Yep. And we drove up in a bus to Burnox Westerlo and, you know, to be honest, man, like the entire game, you just feel a little bit of tension. You can't explain it, but it's there. You can't explain it until you're in that other dugout. And you're playing the same game, but the rules are a little bit different. Interesting. And um, we lost in a questionable, I emphasize questionable, um, officiated game. Like, it was really, really... Interesting. um, Yeah. It was poorly officiated. And it was um, in to, burn. To say the least. It was okay. in burn. Okay. Okay. Our kids were crushed. You know, they, they were pissed off. And yeah. let me tell you something, man. These were 11 and 12-year-olds. But these were big kids, man. Like, I'm six feet tall. Like, we had this kid, Muhammad Banks. He was 5'11 as a 12-year-old. Wow. Um, Darius Dixon was like 5'9". And, and filled out. He was, he was a big kid, man. He was our first baseman, but you know, so we're, we're, our kids are mad. They're frustrated. It was, it was a bad game. Uh, uh, you know, uh, like the, the umps just did a bad job. So we're driving back and we had this kid, um, Najee Jones and Najee had by far the toughest home life out of any kid I've ever coached. Yeah. He didn't have parents that were around. He bounced around from home to home. Both of his parents were drug addicts. Wow. Um, never showed up to a game. Uh, his parents never did. His his parents never showed up to a game. He lived with another kid on the team. And, you know, so he had a tough man, but I always had a soft spot for Najee. And we were in the bus. Najee starts rapping making fun of this other kid, Isaiah, because Isaiah was crying and it's just chaos, you know, and we're driving. It's me and Joe in the front and Joe Varno. Yeah. Joe Varno. Yep. And, um, we're on a 55 mile an hour road and all of a sudden a fist fight breaks out between, um, because Najee kind of got, you know, he got everybody going and Isaiah started fighting Darius as I mentioned, Darius is a big kid. And so we Joe pulls over and I get out. And this is where 
this is where that you really, um, I really want to emphasize the difference in growing up playing for Voorheesville compared to Albany because in Voorheesville and you know, listen, man, I know it's important to be politically correct. I know that you have to be really careful with what you say and do yep. these days. But so in Voorheesville, you, you can't, you can't say a curse word in front of kids mm-hmm. or you're getting reported, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get in trouble. Yeah. By the parents, the parents are going to find out you, you know, you can't do that, let alone put your hands on a kid. Yeah. Whether, you know, it's, you know, it, it, for disciplinary reasons in Albany, it's way different, man. Like the parents, they're, they're, they're a lot looser with their kids, man. They're, you know, you hear F-bombs all the time Wow. at a T-ball game. Wow. Like, yeah. These kids are five. And so that being said, man, you have to be firm and, and stern with these young people. Otherwise, you won't get through. So the fight breaks out. And, you know, Varno had always told me that um, you you have to be fearless. You can't be, you can't show any signs of weakness. That's chum in the water, man. So, you know, I grab Darius off of Isaiah. I grab him by the shirt and I, you know, you know, these kids were punching each other. I got, el- I got an elbow in the eye. I got a black eye. Wow. Yeah. So anyways, um, I know it's kind of a long story, but I just want to emphasize the difference. Like if you don't rip Darius off of Isaiah, Isaiah is going to the hospital. Yeah. You you know, you got to do something, man. There's no, you're not in a school system where there's, you know, a principal or, or an administrator that comes and handles the discipline. No, you're, you're Mm -hmm. on an Island. And if you don't do something about it, you know, so it's not like I, you know, was, you didn't come in and save the day. It, it it's the reality of 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 them and their lives. Yeah, and, man, and the situation just, that they were they were born into. It's just sad. But, it's, but my my point is that if I didn't expose myself to that, I never would have known. I never would have grown, and um, yeah, yeah. I, I, just, I see where you're going. This is yeah. This is. This is a classic example of what we were talking about in your ability to grow. You talked about not plateauing, and and this is, I I assume, a, an incredible example for you and your personal life and in your self discovery of yeah man who I, you are, how you want to live your life, and how you can get better at connecting with people. Yeah, man, it 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 really is all about people and stepped out of your comfort zone for sure. Yeah, man. Listen, like respect is everything in this world and it's earned. Like if you want to be successful in business or just in life in general, man, you have to prove yourself. And I think just, you know, respect is, is it's very, um, very much, you know, valued in this world. It's, it's important to, um, yeah, to have to, you know, to gain people's respect. And I, I a hundred percent agree with that, but I also like the point you, you said, uh, what was it? What was it? You, you don't, you don't know the commonalities you have with someone unless you ask, you don't know what you have in common with somebody if you don't ask. So, um, 
That's but, a life lesson. Yeah, man. I, I, I it sounds simple, but that is that is. It's very simple. It's a very gold. Simple. That's a gold like little sentence. Just it, put in your memory bank and think about it when you're uncomfortable about talking to somebody. It's it's as simple as the air we breathe, man. And uh, you know, I think it's just important for people to get out of their comfort zones and um, yeah. I, I don't know. I think that we have a tendency, uh, you know, just as a society to um, take the um, straightest line from A to B. Yeah. That's not life, man. Life is a zigzag path. Yeah. And uh, you have to be prepared for for everything, man. You have to be prepared to be vulnerable to um, like growing pains suck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's not easy and i don't know you just have to you have to be malleable i think that's important you have to be malleable mm -hmm. um you have to be willing to listen to the people around you who will help you who will help shape and mold you into what you're supposed to become and you have to trust your path and mine was very unconventional but it was necessary. Yeah. It was necessary for me to become who I am today. Um, and I take a lot of pride in that, man. Like I, I don't get paid to work with these young people. I coached at that little league for four summers and it's driving the kids to practice yep. and games every day. And I don't get paid to do it. Yeah. I do it because I love to do it. I do it because those kids changed my life and opened up my eyes. Yeah. I don't know what I did for them. Yeah. But, you know, maybe down the road, uh, you know, I'll find out. But um, like right now, I have this this uh, this young man um, uh, who I've known since he was 11 years old. That's he crazy. was on my first team that I coached. Now he's 18 and he's a senior at Albany High School. He's embarking on a um, college career and he's a phenomenal basketball player and he's a he's he's a good friend of mine. He's I I look at him like a like a little brother man. His name's Mike Alamo Benitez and Mike um, actually asked me to write his college recommendation letter recently. Wow. And like, I'll never forget, man, Mike, Mike, uh, comes from a great family. His mom works really hard. She's just, she's a sweetheart, man. And, um, his uncle is, is a, is a, um, big part of his life. Hector, um, great people, great family. But when Mike was 11, you know, I, I taught Mike how to pitch. I would stay after. Um, practice and and play catch with them and stuff and his mom was the only parent to thank me after the season she sent me a text I'll never forget it said something along the lines of you know thank you for being there for my son and now Mike talks about college because coach Jay went to college wow and flash forward seven years I'm writing Mike's college recommendation letter wow yeah. Wow. Yeah. And and that's a that's a, you know, 
that's a great example of how just generally connecting with people you don't know the impact you'll have on somebody and you don't know that the impact that somebody will have on you yeah man but, it's, but listen it's you, symbiotic the, the lesson is to to you're better off going for the net positive of the uncomfortable interaction or the uncomfortable circumstance that brings you together maybe but yeah taking advantage of the opportunity to connect with somebody yeah especially if they're not in your bubble i think um exactly uh but but i want to emphasize that it is symbiotic it's yeah it's a two-way street man and um it's something i'm proud of but i think the respect to the whole respect thing i think that people and especially children can recognize real Mm. Um, they see right through bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like they knew that I wasn't getting paid to do that. The parents knew that goes a long way, man. Like if you're, I know a lot of people out there are, you know, ambitious and looking to, um, looking to stack their resume sky high. And that's, that's great, man. But at the same time, there's also a lot of affectation. That's one of my favorite words, man, affectation. It's um, basically behavior that's designed to impress mm. and is just like surface level. Mm. And um, I think that doing something because you love to do it, not because it's a job, not because you get paid to do it, but just strictly for the passion, I think that goes that 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 um that goes a long way man that's a, that's a growth opportunity yeah 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 so you have to be willing um to do something just for for, for the love of doing it mm-hmm. not just to stack not just to not just to put it on a, on a resume people can tell when you're when you're being real or when you're you're just doing something for yourself just to better yourself yeah so i think that kind of um you know it, it's just it's just um, compassion in general with people. Uh, it's it's great to share, man. It, you know, um, just you, you have to have zeal. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling, but no, that's that's great. I I think that's I think that's all relevant to this conversation. And I think um, I think for me, you know, it, it's a good pause for reflection to just think to myself about some of these concepts and just you know how am i how am i trying to add you know more to my life in that way uh, versus just kind of going through the motions yeah um, listen i i i, w- I just want to stop you right there because you you posed a question i think that's the single most important thing you can do in this world man just question things don't yeah. just do them because they've always been done that way. Yep. Like pose questions like why why do we why are we forced as children to sit in a classroom for 7 hours and listen? Like we're not we're not all auditory learners. Come on. Like wh- wh- why do we do it? Because it's easy. You know, why do we why do we have a job? Like like is it you know like we have to 
um, question our own impetus sometimes. And uh, I don't know, man. You know, I struggle right now, not with my identity, but with, you know, pertaining to just survival in general. Like, I want to work hard. You know, work ethic is important. But at the same time, like, time has become more valuable to me than anything like money is important to, to, to just survive, but it's not at the top of my list. So I, I question things, man. I question, you know, is, is work something, is it, is it that important to do something that you love to get paid to do something that you love? Because I don't think it is. I think a job, I think a job is just something to pay the bills. It, you know, do something that you're really good at mm-hmm. and, and strive to be the best at it. I think Abraham Lincoln said, whatever you are, be a good one. Yep. And yeah, man, I, I just struggle with that. Like, so, but, but, you know, again, I'm kind of going yeah. off on a tangent. It's important to question things in society. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really about reflection and mindfulness, I think. I think it's about, you know, taking time for yourself and valuing that reflection process and giving time in your day for uh, true self-reflection, expression. Yeah. So, you know, I think I have a long way to go to get better at that. I, I definitely fall victim to Listen, the man, mobile we, device. We all do. And we all, all that. do. But it's I know about... that you have taken a lot of active steps to not succumb to that to the best of your ability and and you've you've done a lot of reading and you've done a lot of self-exploration and discovery and yeah. like i admire that a lot could you talk a little bit about that transition in your life when for, you started getting into that and for sure man i think um as i've gotten older i think we all get more aware but i think that i'm awareness is I, i'm i'm acutely aware every single day almost to a fault but i'll put it to you this way man as far as like you know technology and and our devices um i think that they've absolutely become vices uh in our lives and explain that a perfect example is okay next time you drive home from work you know i want you to be aware obviously of the road in front of you. But if you're on the highway, man, I do this all the time. I'll be driving and I'll see somebody fly by me going like 80 and they're, they're looking down at their phones, man. And I, I think that like, that's just messed up because like in a split second, your life can change whether it's in an accident or, you know, whatever. But like, I, I just, I've always had the awareness like that, like that's messed up. I bet half of the cars that, that drive by you, people are looking down at their phones. I mean, these things are on our laps as if they were newborn babies. We yeah. treat our phones like they're our, our kids. Yeah. And, you know, we're just aimlessly and, you know, so unaware, like of our, our habits, our everyday habits um, that it's just, it's just ingrained, it's wired into our mind, man. And like, 
way back when I, I just, I just saw the writing on the wall. I think, I think it was my sophomore year in college. Um, I deleted my Facebook, which was big at the time. And this was, this was before Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. And obviously I know about all of these things, but I've never had them. I don't have any social media today. Interesting. I prefer to exist in the real world, not the one that's happening right now, because I just don't think that it's, again, it goes back to affectation, man. We're all just not, I I should, I shouldn't generalize a lot of us, um, tend to want to take pictures of an experience and post it. And I just don't think that that's real, man. I think that we're doing it for a spectacle and me, I just prefer to reside in, in my own atmosphere. Mm. I don't need to overlap with anybody else. Um, I don't need to see what anybody else is doing. I don't care what anybody else is doing because I, I just like my own mind is enough to worry about, man. And I mean, I'm not saying I'm perfect. No one's perfect. You know, I, I like music, so I like Apple music and listening on my phone. But as far as my phone being a vice and, uh, you know, that sort of things of that nature, like I, I don't succumb to what I see a lot of people doing. And I'm pretty proud of that. I just think we need to be aware, man, if you're, texting and driving just like open up your eyes just see like realize what you're doing like in a split second your life can change if you look down and take your eyes off the road and i think that relates to life like if you're looking in your you know looking in the past or looking too far in the future man you lose track of where you are Mm -hmm. and it's important to um to be transfixed on the moment. And that goes back to mindfulness and awareness. And I think mindfulness um, and awareness uh, helps you be more authentic to yourself when you sure. are trying to connect with someone, yeah. right? Cause that's, that's what we're talking about yeah. here today. Yeah. You know, is, yeah. you know, all these things that we're, we're taking a deep dive in it really, really interesting to me, but you know, at the end of the day, you're great at having an authentic conversation with somebody. And yeah. I, I think, um, I could be wrong, but I think it's because you practice uh, some of these other ways of thinking and reflection. And um, yeah. I've, I think that's really valuable. There I is mean, something I, else I want to say um, yeah. pertaining to this. It's, you know, I think it's important for people to get quiet. What do you mean by that? Man, I mean, not having any stimulation. That means no Netflix, no Facebook, no texting. Keep your phone and all your devices in your in your house and, and go on a walk. Just get quiet, man. Like, because that's when the wheels start turning on their own. And I think... You, you learn about yourself, but it also makes you a better listener. Do you, do you meditate? I do. I do. I don't regular, I don't do it regularly, but I, I, I think meditation is big, but 
just getting quiet, man, like draining out um, all of the sound and stimulation because, because it makes you a better listener. Mm. When you're by yourself, that's something and, we don't talk about enough. You know, not not only, but not yeah, but hearing not, versus listening. Yeah, not only a listener um, to others, but a listener to yourself. Uh, I think going on a walk is invaluable, um, and I just think that everyone should do it, man. Like, it doesn't take much time. Like, we kill time every day. Like, and, and we just don't see it. Like, I'm not saying you have to be perfect and be productive at every second of every day. Just take 15 minutes. Yeah. Just take 15 minutes out of your day to decompress, go on a walk and just be quiet. Like, just listen, man. Listen to, um, nature, listen to the trees, um, the wind, um, it'll help you be a better listener to others. I think. I think that's the most important skill you can have if you're trying to connect. Don't give it, don't respond uh, or don't listen with the intent to respond. Listen with the intent to understand. Um, I didn't come up with that. I've heard that before, but that's, that's, that's huge, man. These devices are definitely um, affecting that as well as sucking the individuality yeah. out of all of us. Because if you think about Twitter, I mean, you know, you, you can't ignore it. Like it's everywhere. It's on, you know, it's, they're, they're it's, using it. It's for, on ESPN. Yeah. It's on the news. It's on CNN. Like Elections, it is, it is, listen, election man, questions are yeah, coming in from Twitter. Listen, and... It is a feeding ground mm. for negativity to spread. And it brings out the worst in us. It really does, man. You really because think so? I, I think so, man. Yeah. I, like, I'm not saying there are no benefits to it. When, when, it's, when social media and technology are used as a tool, it's great, man. Like, Net positive. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I just don't know if we're responsible enough as a society because um, I just see it spreading negativity and anyone can speak their mind behind hiding behind the keys of a keyboard. Yeah. But very few people can stand up to a microphone and speak in front of a hundred people. Yeah. You know, when all eyes are on them, Hey, speak your mind, man. Uh, I just think that it's too easy. We've made it too easy to hide. Yeah. Like, come on, man. If you're going to speak your mind, like, Step up and, and, and just say what's on your mind. Be honest. Like, I think that Twitter and all that stuff makes it too easy to, to to be harsh. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's that's it my cert- opinion, man. It certainly makes it more difficult. I stay away to, from that stuff. Yeah, it certainly makes it more difficult to be... Um, Real. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a, yeah, that's a good way to say it. Yeah. Um, t- you know, you do... I'm going to pivot a little bit. You, you, um, you're always telling me about different books that you read and, um, your favorite authors, Mm -hmm. poems, literature. What is, as it pertains to, uh, you know, self-expression and bettering yourself in the context of 
feeling comfortable to connecting with others and maybe just understanding the world is kind of a very broad question that I'm framing here, but like, what is a book that you would recommend to listeners hmm. uh, that, you know, or an author maybe okay. that, that um, you has changed, changed the way you, you see the world and as it pertains to this whole conversation, I guess. Okay. Um, I put you on the spot there a little so, bit. Well, but. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, um, what my favorite, my personal favorite, um, piece of literature is. And then I, but it's, it's a little dense. It's a little like, it's super old. It's from the 1800s. And then I'll really, yeah. Wow. And, and then I'll, now I'll, I'm interested. I'll tell you about, um, something that I'd recommend for everybody, uh, for somebody who, you know, might not, you know, like to read as, as much, uh, sure. because this, this stuff is dense. My favorite author is Ralph Waldo Emerson. And, um, my favorite piece of literature in the whole world is his essay on self-reliance. Interesting. Yeah, man. It's, I've never, I've never touched that. It, what it, is that? It's, it's all about, um, it's all about, uh, conformity and, and like I discussed earlier, like we discussed earlier, it's about questioning things and just being your own person. Uh, it's super dense, you know, each it, it's not long. It's maybe like 10 to 15 pages, but it's each, oh, sen wow. each sentence packs a punch. Interesting. Like you, you take your time reading it because, um, what's it called? It's called Self-Reliance. By um, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Ralph Waldo Emerson was the father of American transcendentalism. Um, he was really into nature and just thinking for yourself. Um, you know, uh, whoso be a man must be a nonconformist. Um, that, you know, his whole, um, his whole idea was to inspire people to think for themselves and not do something because that's the societal expectation. Hmm. Um, you know, he was, uh, just, a, a really, really awesome guy who spread positivity and, you know, he, he's, he's, uh, one of the most brilliant American minds of all time. Hmm. Uh, so, but you know, that was written in the mid 1800s. So it's a little outdated. It's hard to read, but it, I don't know. It resonated with me. Yeah. If I were to recommend something besides that, there's a, a book, um, called the alchemist by Paulo Coelho. And, um, basically, uh, that inspired me to stay on my path. And, um, uh, I just think it, yeah, it, it the alchemist. So, so what? What is the basis for calling it calling it the alchemist? Um, I, I have a guess, but I, I'd be interested. What What is this book really about? Basically, that you know, alchemy is the um, science of make of turning stuff into gold. Okay. Um, and I think that, you know, metaphorically speaking, anyone can do anything. But each of us are appointed with a very specific mission. 
and you really do have to listen to yourself and trust that the dots connect and um interesting yeah man you have to be willing i forgot to say this earlier is it a big book no no it's about 180 pages i think somewhere in that ballpark okay uh but it's relatively like within the last 50 years essentially oh yeah i think it's it's it's, pretty um, new or 20 years old oh wow i don't know and it's like a self uh don't quote me on that self-development book yeah yeah yeah, for sure man but I, i meant to say this earlier um i think there is a lot of power in saying no to things in the in the alchemist now kind of a spoiler alert sure so uh basically not not to give too much away but this young man is on this mission to find um treasure okay uh, and he was told from a higher power that you know he he had a specific uh um, mission and he falls in love and basically that um that person that he falls in love with lets him continue on his path um so he could have settled down with that person but he's you know he he, he said no because he he realized what he had to do to become who he was supposed to be hmm. i think the power of saying no to things is is so important if you're going to set out to do anything in this world you have to be willing to say no to the little things man you have to be willing to say no to something good um to accomplish something great yeah so like i know that sounds kind of cliche and a little bit you know cheesy but no i mean it's it's about like focusing your energy on on the the you know Listen, yeah, smaller listen, percentage man. of things that have the highest return on investment. Listen, man, if you're if you're out to you know if you set out to write a book to um you know um become you know a, a the owner of a business like you have to say that means you're gonna have to say no to going out to dinner with friends, yeah, grabbing drinks with a buddy after work. You have to say no to those things, man, because if you say no to a hundred of those things you'll accomplish what you, what you want. Yeah. Um, it, I don't know. I don't know if I, if that makes no, any sense. You know, Gary, Gary V has a, obviously a lot of podcast listeners know Gary V, but he, he always preaches. I've never met him. <laughs> Me either. He, uh, you know, his vibes interesting. I, I feel like sometimes he comes across as a little harsh, yeah. but I feel like that's why people love yeah, him. Yeah, man, and that's but not he's, that's not my style, he, but he he talks about my point in bringing him up is he he talks about um the the concept of you know sort of you know, like minimalism, right? For like, sure, man. Like his 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 whenever he gets a question from from an entrepreneur who's like, "Man, I can't figure out how to scale my business or I can't figure out how to like build it beyond this. I'm plateauing." Yeah. And he said, "Well, you know, what's your paycheck?" And they're all saying, you know, six figures or yeah. whatever. And he's like, well, maybe you need to learn how to put more of that back into your passion. For sure. What man. it is you're, what you're trying to succeed with and learn to live with less. You know, he's not saying, yeah. you know, don't take care of your family. Don't care, take care of the things you need. But like he said, you know, we, he says this all the time. We, we allow ourselves to get too focused on consuming 
rather than living yeah minimalistly well that's, that's not a right word. you know listen man but that's, like i think there's a lot to be said about that yeah well that's capitalism at its finest consumerism yeah it's a lot of us have uh cadillac taste on a chevrolet budget right you know exactly um, i think uh it's about being efficient uh if you set a goal just be be efficient and and don't procrastinate like i, I know that like it's so much easier said than done but i think it's right up there with public speaking man it's something we all have in common we all procrastinate but um you know just say no learn to say no to things and and get just get it done man you know if you if you set a goal stick to it hold yourself to it i agree with that i agree with i agree with setting goals holding yourself accountable you know writing goals down i think is like a little thing that i've started doing that is is huge i mean if you actually just write it down it's like it's amazing what happens when when you just write something down yeah for sure man i concur um i want to i want to pivot here we're, we're getting we, this has been a great conversation um there, there's a question that i that i plan to ask most if not every uh, guest I have on on stories of gumption here, and uh, it's kind of an interesting interesting question because there's a lot you can learn from the answer. But um, I want to paint a scenario. We have the opportunity to hire three board of directors for you. Yep. These board of directors are responsible for your life, okay. giving you coaching and mentorship. They can be. Uh, anybody celebrities dead or alive family member someone of significance but what i want to know from you is of anybody if you had to pick your top three uh board of directors wow dead or alive to coach you through your life as like a spiritual guide if you will spiritual guide financial guide business guide like these are the three people that together are going to coach you like a coaching a life coaching staff yeah it's it's okay. it's it's your board of directors okay for, for um, you who are they well and and why okay uh geez man that that's that's a tough one um you're putting me on the spot um i guess i would have to say the first person that comes to mind i mentioned earlier uh who is like um, I hold in very high regards my favorite author, uh, poet, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Uh, as I mentioned, he's, he's, um, he's just a brilliant, brilliant mind and someone who I know for a fact, I mean, obviously, you know, he died. He's no longer with us. Right. right. But uh, he would definitely challenge me to he would pose great questions for me to think for myself yeah he wouldn't tell me to do anything but he would he would get the wheels turning and he's just a philosopher man um his writing uh is inspiring and uh i would love i, I would have loved to meet him and yeah, he'd be number one probably on my list because nice. he's just a 
a, a, a brilliant mind. Uh, it's a great choice. Number two, jeez, uh, man, you know, um, I'm, I've I've always been a basketball fan, but um, I'm able to recognize this guy's work outside of basketball, off the court, um, and I respect the hell out of him. Uh, LeBron James, believe it or not, hmm. um, I mean, yeah, arguably the greatest basketball player of all time, but. He's also done more than any player has off the court. He just opened up a school for underserved youth in Ohio, um, in Akron, um, Ohio, which is like a really um, tough place to grow up. It's where he grew up. Yep. And yep. he's all about just, you know, equal opportunity. And, um, and he stands for something, man. He's similar to Muhammad Ali, uh, not as poetic, but he uh, he brought up, you know, three of his best friends growing up are mm -hmm. now on his team of like advisors, but they're not, he didn't just bring them along. Like these guys have their own enterprises. Um, you know, Rich Paul is an agent. Um, he has his own uh, sports agency. Um, and I don't know if I can remember the names of the other two guys, but anyways, that's not LeBron relevant. James though. LeBron yeah. James is, is, is an inspiration to all of us where he's come from and where he is now and what he does for our youth. I like so that's it. number two, man. Uh, number three. Now this is, this is a really tough one, but, uh, I would have to say it's 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 a toss up and three people come to mind. I know we're mm -hmm. limiting this to three, but I just sure. want to throw these three names out there. Sure. My uncle Martin, okay. Um who is one of the most level-headed um people that I know. Um he's he's uh he he doesn't make emotional decisions. He's he's just a wise guy. Yep. And He's always been a mentor to me, and I just have always respected him like crazy. Um, he's actually, I mentioned my Aunt Jen earlier, who's a teacher at, yeah, at yeah. the charter school in yeah. Albany. That's her husband, my Uncle Martin. Uh, my buddy Anthony, who is um, like my spirit, I always refer to him as my spiritual guide. He poses great questions for me. He He's the type of guy you sit down with and... You don't know anything about him when the conversation is over, but you've learned a lot about yourself because yeah. he's just great at facilitating that and getting the wheels turning for yourself. But again, Sounds I, like a great I, guy. I have great, I think I've met him a couple times. Yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. I have a lot of respect for him. He, he's just a chill, chill dude. One of the most laid back guys, but again, just a wise person. And then the third person is, uh, um, Heather Garvey. She was a, um, mm. a teacher of mine in high school and uh, a mentor. She wrote my college recommendation letter. She's now the Dean of students at Voorheesville high school and wow. uh, shout out to her. That's my girl. Um, she has two sons um, uh, and, and, you know, happily married and it's just a great family. But, but Mrs. Garvey is like a superhero to me. She um, is, just 
she's super ambitious, great sense of humor. Um, again, very level-headed. I emphasize yeah. level-headed because you can't make emotional decisions. You yeah. can't have somebody that's advising you yeah. getting super emotional. Yeah. But Mrs. Garvey um, is on top of her shit. Mm -hmm. And she has my back no matter what. And uh, yeah, man, I, I, I have great revere for all three of those people. I don't know which one I would pick for my list, but those are three people that I'm very, very close to that I would trust with my life. That's I know awesome. that's kind of uh, that, that's more than than three. That's no, actually that's fine. That's fine. Five that's, people. That's <laughs> no, that's great. Um, well, I, I've been I've been thrilled to have you on the podcast, Jay. The first one ever. This has been great. This has been a really good. I'm equally as honored. Yeah, I mean, just to have you know, we we sort of talked about this overarching theme of your ability to connect with people, but there's a reason you've been able to do that so well. And, and I'm glad we've been able to talk about some of the philosophy that you have around that in yeah. the world, because I think that is the key ingredient to why you've grown so much yeah, from when man. we first met in college Listen, and, man, I'm, and I'm, overcome fears. And um, I think that's a lesson that a lot of people can walk away with today. Yeah. Listen, I'm comfortable in my own skin, man. I'm happy with where I am and who I am. Uh, I have no complaints. The um, one, one, one thing that I do want to share with the listeners before we part. Sure. Um, you know, I think there's a great, um, there, there's, there's a, a sense of humility that, um, that, that comes along with, with connecting with people. You have to be able to put your ego aside, mm -hmm. be open-minded. You have to be a good listener. Um, you know, I think that children do it best. And I think that when we grow up and become, you know, so-called adults, we, we, we lose, um, we lose sight a little bit, you know, bills, you know, we have to pay our bills and they're at the top of our list, but man, you know, just, just approach life with a youthful exuberance, you know, uh, just, you know, uh, be willing to listen and learn throughout the course of your life. Don't ever think that, that like adults are way up here and children are down here naive Yeah. because children can teach us a lot, man. Like they really can, like they think everything is amazing and it is yeah. like, it's all about how it's all about how you, how you look at things. So just, you know, live life with a youthful um, energy and exuberance. Sounds simple, but that's a good takeaway. Message. For sure, man. I, you know, you read for me um, a while back uh, a poem that I feel like really captures this conversation. I, and you, you mentioned you might have brought it with you today. Yes, I do I, have it somewhere here in my notes. Okay. Um, I, let's I, see. What I would love to do, I think, just as a way to close out first episode ever of uh, Stories of Gumption podcast, and just to send and wrap up wrap up this conversation, I would love to give you the opportunity to close us out yeah. with that poem if you have it. And, yep, uh, I do, man. Let's I know do it. it's I know it's about a three minute poem, so listeners, buckle up. This is a great poem. I love it, and I think it really captures our conversation from today. But Jay, Listen. I'll let you introduce it, tell a story right. about it, and then perform it for us to this, close close us out this is spoken word baby so uh buckle up 
Um, I've read this at uh, open mic night, but it's one that I hold very close to my heart because it just reminds me um, to think. Um, And it's about a very important conversation that I had with a very comfortable but average chair. A chair. Yes. And I I purposely decided um, not to give it a title because I think that it may be different for everyone. So it's untitled. So here we go. Is this it? Is this really where I'm supposed to sit? I thought for a while, for almost too long. When does comfortable become too comfortable? I guess it's when you sit in the same place for so long, looking out the window, watching the leaves grow and change while you don't. And eventually you lose the desire to use your legs anymore. Kind of like a chair. I'll always remember you sitting there, dreaming of what we could become, collecting dust in the afternoon sun. Staring at the doorknob, the glare from the window catches my eye. Barely open, I'll never forgive myself if I don't try to slip through the crack. I have to leave before it slams shut. I see too much potential out there, not to get out and experience life on the other side, where the grass is greener than the carpet beneath you, and the fall breeze beats the ceiling fan above you, which has been spinning in place for so long, chair. But it's not going anywhere. I guess I can relate. My feet were falling asleep, making it harder and harder to stand, day after day with a blank stare and an empty hand taking a nap on your armrest quite the trap so perhaps i'll keep it short it's been real real stagnant at the end of the day your cushion becomes a comfort zone for complacency making it so easy to settle and sit down easy to conform and become lost and never found just like all that change that could have been that unfinished to-do list written in pen Too often, they fall victim to your cushion. But I can only sit for so long, chair. This world just has too much to offer besides a nine-to-five job, a house with a pool, a two-car garage, a wife, the well-and-good life, the American facade. You see, a straight line from A to B is too short for me. I prefer the zigzag path to everywhere where my only job is to connect the dots wherever I go, always ascending, I'll never plateau on the other side. Call me a crazy boy, but I'm not a lazy boy like you are. Then again, I could just grow old with you, always doing what I was told to do, sitting in my 40s telling stories to these kids about chasing their dreams, pretending like I know what that means, while wishing that I ran faster after mine. My feet would grow roots, coming home from work, planted in the same chair, kicking off the same old boots. You've tried to convince me that there's always tomorrow. I guess I've been killing time. My biggest fear is that you're the accomplice, 
supporting me yet holding me back from everything I'm trying to accomplish. And you have been for so long, Chair. I think I need some fresh air. Even if that means leaving my house, quitting my job, getting off of my couch and out of my comfort zone. I had to ask myself, am I living here or just spending the nights? That's when I decided you just weren't my type. Don't get me wrong, I think you're really nice, but after a while that smile will fade and the window will close and soul the shades. No matter how safe and comfortable it may be, I can't grow in a dark room. I need cultivation. I need the sun and water, preferably a lake. Turns out a living room is the furthest thing from living. So while the window is still open, I think I'll stand. Reach out my hand for the doorknob, but not before I take one look back and say, so long, chair. I would feel bad except you've got legs, but choose not to use them. At least the ceiling fan attempts to move. Anyway, I know where you'll be at the end of the day. Average is always something to fall back on.